Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I am excited this morning. How many are excited for the Word? I want you to grab your Bibles or your iPhone. I say iPhone, and then they get all those people who are um, Android people that look at me a little cross-eyed. It's okay if you have an Android. We'll pray for you after service. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My wife converted me like two years ago. I had an Android forever. Um, Listen, we're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 18, 1 through 6, and I would love for you to read along with me. We're a Bible reading church, right? Amen? How many have been participating? I'm just curious. I want to see a show of hands. How many are participating? Should I have even asked that? I shouldn't have asked that. Come on, don't make pastor read on his own. Come on, journey with me through the Bible. I, I think there's something powerful that happens when we begin to read the Word of God. Amen? Especially as a church. So that's my reason for creating that challenge is something begins to happen when you grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. Your faith begins to grow. Your expectancy begins to grow. And things begin to happen at church when your faith grows. Amen? As we pull on heaven together. Uh, Jeremiah 18, verse 1 through 6. I want to I begin reading, and I'd like you to read along with me. You don't have to read in concert with me. just want you to follow along with me uh, as we read. One, two, three. The Word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house. Everybody say the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred or disfigured in the hand of the potter. Everybody say disfigured. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. And then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, or or, O John, or O Stephanie, or O Donnie, I want you to put your name where it says, O house of Israel. Can I not do with you as this potter does, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so you are in my hands, O house of Israel. Of Israel. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. As a minister, my life's calling, literally my calling, doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from, you know, an organization. My life's calling comes from God Almighty. And that calling is to stand here and minister the word of God. It's a huge responsibility. I feel I take it very, very seriously. I study sometimes endless hours and put 12 to 15 hours in at least a week into study and into preparation. And by the time I make it to my seat come Sunday morning, I feel as helpless as can be. It's funny, you know, pastors' lives are very, very different than what one might think. And um, that man who is not broken by the time Sunday morning comes and doesn't feel helpless is a man who's been unbroken. Amen. If you don't know it on, on Monday morning, you'll know it Saturday night. Amen. And my life's calling is to come along people and encourage them. There's people I know throughout this week. There's a gentleman um, actually works with me, and he's not here today, but he would be okay with me sharing this. 
within a three-day span, it was probably 48 hours, had lost his son, who was about uh, 13, 13, 12 or 13. Um, he had been battling with the disease since really, really young, uh, since the day he was born, and he did pass. And um, just two days before that, his nephew, uh, who was about, uh, he was in his mid-20s, mid to early 20s, stepped out on Highway 27 this past week in front of a car. This nephew was like a, like a son to him. He lived with him. I've met him a couple of times, and I, just, I was just beginning to think about it this week, and I had another individual call me and um, whose mother had, had a couple of blood clots in her body. She's 93 years old, has lived a long, full life. But I just think about all the suffering that people go through in life and the challenges. I love the preaching part. I love getting up here and communicating the Word of God, and I love loving on people and encouraging them. But the most difficult part for me would be funerals and um, coming alongside people and trying to explain why God allows things to happen. Well, my explanation is, is God doesn't have anything to do with that whatsoever. It's because we live in a fallen world and something that we owe all the honor uh, to Adam for. Amen. And uh, as I begin to think about this and think about how God doesn't necessarily cause this kind of pain, he can use it. I said he can use it. All different types of pain. All of us struggle with some things in our lives. I don't have to be a prophet to to think that just possible, it might just be possible that you are facing something in your life right now that is causing you grave concern in your life. And I can also tell you simultaneously, God can use that thing to better you, to better you for his kingdom, to shape you more into his image, because that's God's ultimate goal. He says, I've predestined you to become conformed into my image, the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So difficulties have a way of shaping us into who God wants us to be. Can somebody say amen to that? And this past uh, four weeks, I've been in a series called, somebody tell me what the series is called. The Sound of Awakening. Everybody say The Sound of Awakening. Now this series, I've preached probably, this is about my fourth message. It's called, again, The Sound of Awakening. Well, with each message, I have a title. And um, I, I thought there couldn't be a more fitting title than the title brokenness in this, in this series. Um, there is a sound to awakening. And again, that word awakening actually means revival. And I've been praying for this church. I've been grieving uh, and desperate for God to really break through and do something amazing in this church. And anytime I've seen movements, I'll call them movements in the past or revivals in the past, it didn't comprise of a congregation who was cold in their heart. It, it, there was a congregation that was broken, that was desperate, that was hungry for the more of God in their life, in their communities, and in their families. And it's going to take a bit of desperation and a bit of brokenness if we're going to get all from God that he would have us to get. We will not get from God to sit by casually and wonder and wonder if God's going to give us some pie in the sky. No, I want a little peace while I'm passing by. I don't know about you. Does anybody want a move of God in their lives? And so I figured that brokenness would be a fitting subject this morning. And there is a sound to brokenness. There is a sound. Everybody say, there is a sound. I thought about all the amazing men and women that God, throughout the Bible, he used brokenness. He used jacked up situations, excuse my French. 
He used messed up relationships. He used really difficult circumstances to break an an individual before he used them in his kingdom. And you don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a clergy. You don't have to be somebody who preaches on a Sunday morning in order to be a candidate for God breaking. It's quiet up in the Presbyterian church this morning. Amen. I can't help but I can't help but not bypass Jonah when I think about what God said to Jonah. He said to Jonah, and I know we all know about the whale, but he says to Jonah, listen, there's some people who I need to repent, and I need you to go and tell them what thus saith the Lord. I need you to go to the city called Nineveh, and I want you to call those people to repentance. And Jonah does anything but want to go see people repent. Have you ever dealt with real saved people who really don't act like they're very saved? who should want people to get right with the Lord, but because they're just snobby and they just want to, you know, they want their relationship with God intact, but they're not really concerned about everybody else's salvation. Well, this was Jonah's heart. And Jonah says, no, I'm not going to. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. We're talking about a prophet, a man who should love God and love his people, runs in the other direction. The only problem was is that God had a boat waiting for him. I believe that somehow God strategically paid for that ticket for Jonah to run. Because he knew that he would send that boat in the right direction, cause the right type of storm, and at the right moment, God would send a big fish or a whale to swallow Jonah up, and Jonah would sit three days in the belly of that whale until, and excuse me, in the belly of that whale until he was broken in spirit and ready to do God's will. And there are many times in our lives that we may not get on a boat and go the other way, but we'll go the other way in our heart. But God so loves you that he'll set up situations and circumstances. He'll set up whale experiences in your life and put you in a hard place, in a hardship, in a trial, in, a, in an area where you're, it, it can't get any more painful because God is in the process of breaking you to get you ready for what he's about to do in your life. And as a pastor, as a minister of the word, as a preacher, we want to always talk about the great sides of God. But I have to look at the whole counsel of God. Well, I have to tell you, I don't care too much to talk about brokenness because I have been broken many, many, many times. And I understand the process. But God is always out for our good and his glory when he puts us in hard situations. Now, what's that hard situation in your life? God doesn't cause sickness, but he'll use it. God doesn't cause divorce, but he'll use it. God doesn't enable people in their addictions, but he'll use it. God doesn't cause havoc in our nation, but he'll use it to drive a nation to its knees so that they repent and that they turn. This is God's whole idea of brokenness. Everybody say brokenness. How can we avoid the story of Moses Moses, raised as an Egyptian, a Hebrew boy, called by God to be a deliverer of God's people who are in captivity. And God sends him in the wilderness for 40 years. I don't know about you, but I've never been in a trial for 40 years. Six months about kills me. So we're not talking about a year of difficulty a year in the wilderness or two years or even five years or even a decade. He was in the wilderness for four decades until God broke him into the person that he was calling him to be. It's amazing how God will begin to dry up certain things in your life just to get your attention and to get you to look to him. 
As I told you guys last week, God doesn't grow your faith in ease and comfort and pleasure and prosperity. He oftentimes grows you in the midst of difficulty, hardship, and pain. Oftentimes, circumstances, doors begin to close. People reject you. You, get, you hit the wall over and over, and there's this spin cycle in your life, and you just, can't, you, you just can't get your head around it like, God, why do I keep going through this situation? I call it the spin cycle. Somebody say the spin cycle. And who can forget Job, the story of Job? Everybody say Job. The Bible says that the devil, the enemy, Lucifer, went to God. Excuse me, no, the other side around. God went to the devil and says to the devil, have you tried my servant, Job? Have you tried my servant, Karen? Have you tried my servant, Ronnie? Have you tried my servant, Josie? And oftentimes, God will, will put so much faith and trust in you and want you to grow so much that he will even allow the enemy of your soul to attack you just to grow you. And he'll even use him to break you so that God can get you where he wants you. Oh, you want some more Bible? For you theologians, who did Jesus use to get him onto the cross? He didn't use the Pharisees nor even the Sadducees. He used the one that was in his inner circle. His name was Judas. He used Judas to drive himself even to the cross. So God will oftentimes use the enemy in your life to drive you into his own purpose. God is that powerful. Not only will he use good godly people and godly Christians in your life, he'll often use the enemy as a puppet to drive you into his arms and into his will for your life. I know I may not get many amens over this. I figured that. That's why I'd struggled in putting this message together. But I, as a man of God, I have to bring the whole counsel of the Lord. And I want you to get a better understanding because on the other flip side, you'll sit and be wondering and reeling, why am I going through hardship? Why am I going through pain? What is this leading unto? Why am I in such a difficult situation in my life? Friend, I want to suggest to you that the reason that things are going on in your life, difficulty, hardship, and pain is because God is trying to break you so he can position you for what he has for you. Amen. And one of the first points to this, I want to underline this. It's in Jeremiah 18, verse 3. Is everybody with me? Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 3. And it says this, Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. I want to go through these scriptures verse by verse. Is that okay? First of all, everybody say the wheel. I want to talk about the spin cycle. Before God decides to break you, he tries to give you an opportunity to just keep going through the same thing over and over until you get it. And when you don't get it, he begins to break you. Everybody say the wheel. So I want to talk about this spin cycle. Have you ever felt and there was a certain area of your life that continue or habitually resurfaced over and over? In counseling sessions, I call this vicious cycles. How many are married in the room? Can you say amen, married couples? Have you ever been married in the room or had a relationship or a friendship where they just constantly went through this vicious cycle? 
When these things continue to resurface in your life, it's not a sign that God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, it's a sign that he does. And He, when you do not pass the test, God will oftentimes allow the same cycle over and over again until we get it because we as humans are hard-headed. And God will use what I call the spin cycle, that wheel to go over and over and over again. God gives me these funny images. I was thinking in my head when I think about the wheel on the bus go round and round. That's kind of what our lives begin to look like. I have an 18-month-old, so I'm learning not only gospel songs I listen to throughout the week, but now, you know, you get songs stuck in your head. Now I have all these nursery rhymes stuck in my head. Wheels on the bus go round and round. It's, it's funny, but it's really sad because most people's lives look like that nursery rhyme. The wheels on the bus or the wheels of your life that go round and round. Everybody say wheel. I was recently watching um, a YouTube video um, on how pottery is made, the ancient ways. And the first way it would start is it, had, it has a large wheel. It's almost as big as my, my podium here. And um, they would put this clay on top of it. But I was wondering how they got the clay and how they decided what clay to use because they have to use a pure form of it in order to do that. They have to dig hundreds and hundreds of feet down into certain parts of the earth where there's just the right amount of clay and dirt that doesn't have too much debris, then they send it through a processor. And when it makes its way, after it comes from the the plant to the potter's wheel, you, you can't see it from the outside because it looks like a big blob, but inside there is still debris. There is still debris. But you don't really see it. It's not really hidden. Isn't it funny that how God will put up with our stuff for a certain amount of years and certain amount of times, but then you get to a certain stage? Come on. You get into a certain maturity level in your walk with the Lord, and then things begin to get exposed. It's not because God doesn't love you. It's because he's trying to get rid of the debris in your life so you can begin to look more and more like him. And so what happens is in order for this debris to get exposed, the the potter first turns on the wheel and he begins to spin it. Everybody say the wheel. And then he begins to press it really hard. Anybody feel hard pressed in here? And then he, then what happens is, is as the walls begin to thin in this pottery picture of vase, the, the walls begin to thin and the debris that was once hidden. Now that the walls are thinning, now the debris is being exposed And so this is God's way in his cycle of life in Christianity. He will spin you and spin you and spin you. And as your your walls get thinner and thinner, debris begins to come out of you. He tries to get rid of that cussing issue. He begins to get rid of that attitude problem. He He begins to get rid of that addiction. He begins to start exposing and removing that area that is killing your marriage. Come on, y'all ain't even talking to me. How many real people do I have in here? I'm talking about issues. God will put you on this spinning cycle and your walls begin to thin out and more and more because he's not looking to kill you nor mar you. He's looking to make you like his son. Amen. And God will allow you to go continually round and round and round until you get fed up. Uh, when, I was, when I was young, I used to go on the roundy round in my aunt's um, neighborhood, my Aunt Jenny over here waving everybody, Aunt Jenny. It's still red. You know, when we were young, we were little kids, we'd go on the roundy round. And I can't, I, can't I, I just hate going round and round these days. I don't know if it's when you get older. I don't like rides or roller coasters that do it. But when I was young, I used to love the roundy round. Your head spin all around. 
God will do this to you. He will, he will put you on the, on, the, on the spin cycle in your life until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired of going around about this mountain over and over. It's called the spin cycle. Until you are ready, until your will is broken to the point where you're like, God, I'm ready to do this your way. I deal with clients all the time, and oftentimes the older ones are very, very, they get irritable, and they're much, much more frank, and they just don't put up with any garbage. And it's, and it's simply because of that. It's, it's in their mind, they think, I'm too young to be dishonest. I have to be frank. They, they like the, the temperature at a certain degree. They like their yard manicured in a specific way. They want you to show up at a specific time because I'm a, I'm a vendor at several different properties. And the older people, it's, it's not, they, they've understood this process. I don't have time to be fake. I, have t- I don't have any time for the garbage. I need to get straight to the point because I don't have much more time left. Amen. I was dealing with a 93-year-old lady, and uh, her name was Jackie, sweet, sweet lady. She's just like a razor blade. She was just very, very frank with me and just cut to the chase. And at the end of the project, when we just finished it over here in Errol Estates, for those of you who don't know, I work in the painting industry, and she just so loved us. And you know, I thought she was just a grouchy woman, but she ended up being like just the kindest person, just very, very frank. And I could tell, and through 93 years, it wasn't that she was a mean person, is that she was tired of the garbage. She just was up front. You could tell that God had spun her on that spinning cycle. Amen? How many are on that spinning cycle right now? Don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. Don't look at your spouse. Don't look at your your neighbor or your friend or your son or daughter. Just look straight ahead. Number two, God will break you because he's not looking to break you, but he's looking to break self-will. Yeah, they told me I should have been born in the 50s. There's no wonder why I like the 1957 Bel Air because they say I preach like an old preacher sometimes because we don't preach like this anymore. You hear preachers from pulpits, they want to entertain you and tell you if you give enough, if you pray enough, if you just say Jesus enough that your life will all, everything is going to be great and all the pieces are going to fall. But let me tell you something. We still serve a God who is into breaking self-willed people. We still serve a God who is still pretty, uh, holiness is still popular to him. Yeah. Holiness is still popular. Living a right life is still popular. Breaking people's will and not letting them get everything that they want their way on their timetable, that is still popular to God. Everybody say self-will. In Jeremiah 18 verse 4, it says this, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred or disfigured. Everybody say disfigured. It was marred in the hand of the potter so that he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. And I was thinking this. God is not after breaking your spirit. He's after breaking your self-will and self-reliance. Look at somebody and then just kind of nudge them a little bit and say, let him break you. Let him break you. You know, God loves you. He cares for you. And oftentimes when we're in the midst of that breaking process and God is shifting some things in our lives and breaking some things in our lives, we could question, God, why are you doing this? This doesn't feel like it's coming from a loving father. But let me tell you this morning, it's because he is a loving father. He cares for you and has your best interest 
at heart, but oftentimes our own will gets in the way and he will break anything that gets in the way. And oftentimes to our shame, it's us who gets in the way and he'll do anything to anything that gets in the way. And so we're the problem most of the time. And so when our will gets in the way, God often goes after the will. We just get in the way. Amen. We often get in the way of what God is trying to do in our lives. And so by default, we become the ones who he breaks. Recently, I, it was last week, I believe. Um, how many have not seen Zoe, my daughter? A little cute, little 18-month-old. So she's been getting up about 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning. I know I use her as a reference all the time. It's because God is teaching me things through her. How many have kids? <laughs> God will teach you a whole lot through kids. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so she comes in the kitchen, it's about 6.30 in the morning, and she begins to say, knack, knack. And I don't know what it is, but I'm learning this new baby babble. It's like a whole nother language. I knew a little bit of Spanish, not so much, but a little bit, and certainly yeah, I'm still learning English. Um, but now I'm learning babble. I don't know if, you, if you've had little kids before, when other people, you know, you know if there's... 16 months or whatever, year and a half, and people don't really understand what the baby says, but you can. And it's like, you know, by second nature, like, yeah, she's asking for such and such. And they're like, what is she, what is she saying? It's because you're learning this new baby babble. They're just not aware of it. Well, this new word, knack, she's asking for a snack. I'm like, it's 6.30 in the morning, honey. And she proceeds to point at these bears, uh, these, uh, what is it, uh, honeygram bears on the counter. At 6.30 in the morning, I say, no, honey. And as soon as she understands everything, I said, no, honey, you're going to have some banana and some fruit and some, you know, some cereals, some Cheerios. And uh, the baby proceeds to throw herself down on the floor and begin to wash the floor with her back by spinning around and crying, kind of walking and spinning like a clock. And she's saying, no, snack, no, snack. I'm like, honey, you can't have a snack. And so I just kind of walk away and I'm, I'm left because I want to be a good dad. Amen. I, I want to give her what she needs. I want to give her fruit. I want to give her, you know, eggs in the morning. And I don't want to give her snacks. And the second reason I didn't give her that is because there's no way on God's green earth, because I only had two and a half minutes before my wife is brushing her teeth. And there's no way that I'm going to be able to get her, get rid of the evidence and all the crumbs before she gets out and finds that I just gave our 18 month old daughter graham crackers for breakfast. If I had a little bit more time, maybe I would have. But thirdly, you know, I don't want her to grow up thinking that if she throws a big enough fit, she's going to get what she wants. And oftentimes, and we do the same thing, just it's when you're, when, you're, when you're 30 and when you're 40, we still give God a fit. They're just different. We, we don't wash uh, the floor with our back and do like Zoe did and scream knack, but we do it in other ways. Amen. When God says, no, you can't marry this specific individual, we throw a fit. When God doesn't allow you to take over a certain, take a certain career path, we throw fits. When he doesn't fulfill that specific destiny or that promise in your timetable or on your deadline, we'll throw a fit. Am I the only one who has thrown a fit with God? 
Or Lord, you, you know, Lord, I want you to do that thing that I so desire in my heart. And when he doesn't do that specific thing or he doesn't move that specific mountain or he doesn't heal that, that, that individual that you love and we're praying for healing for, we throw fits with God. We begin to doubt God. We begin to get angry with God when he doesn't do things our way on our timetable when we want him to do it and how we want him to do it. When you don't get that specific thing that you think is going to ultimately satisfy all the longings of your heart. Am I the only one who is God has blessed somebody with something and then you have that very thing and you think to yourself, this is all not that really that great. When I bought my 2014 Dodge pickup truck, I loved this truck. It stayed shiny and didn't have a speck of dirt on it, at least for the first year. And after that, and isn't it funny how when we think we're going to be completely satisfied when he blesses us with something, but when a year or two goes by, it just, our heart moves on to the next thing. That's because in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says this, the heart is, the, the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. And our heart will lead us to think that if God does X, Y, Z in our lives, we're going to be perfectly satisfied. But God is the only one who knows if he does certain things in your life at certain times, he knows what will bring ultimate godly satisfaction to you. And he wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be full. He wants you to fulfill your destiny. But God has a specific timetable that he does things because he knows what will work best for your specific design. Amen to that. And because God doesn't end up blessing you with certain things, it's not because he doesn't want to bless you with that. Again, let me reemphasize. He knows what will bring ultimate satisfaction to you. He knows who you're supposed to marry. He knows what job or career path you're supposed to take. He knows what doors that he wants you to walk through because he knows what challenges lay beyond that door. And so God will often either close doors to, in order to open other ones, or he'll close doors to keep you protected from heartache and pain in the future. We don't hear this kind of preaching anymore, but you have to understand why God delays certain things in your life is to protect you and to preserve you and because he loves you. Nudge somebody and say, he loves you. I uh, heard Jason Upton recently say this, don't become successful in something that God didn't call you to. And all too often, we want things that we think that are going to bring uh, ultimate satisfaction and ultimate fulfillment, ultimate purpose in our heart. And then when we get those things, we figure out when it's too late that, man, I shouldn't have married that person or, man, I shouldn't have taken this career path or, God, I should not have walked through this door. Amen. You know, starting this church, um, God was breaking me very much so before I decided to start this church back in 2000. It was 2000, was it 2018 in August, August 19th, I believe it was. And God is still in the process of breaking me quite a bit. I was sharing with the team in the back. I've, I've never been at this place in my life where I'm experiencing great spiritual strength. I mean, I'm feeling the fire of God. I'm feeling great desire and passion to pursue him and to pastor you all and to, to oversee this church and to really accomplish all that God would have me to, while at the same time, simultaneously being broken at the same time. Amen? 
Has everybody, anybody, anybody ever been there but me? It's like you don't know what you're looking for, but you're just broken. You're just like, God, I just want to do things your way. I want to do your will. I want to do it in your timing. Amen? I've been feeling this sense of brokenness. It's more like a desperation. And I think that's why I've been preaching on that is because before I bring it to you, God has already ministered it to me or is in the process of ministering it to me. And uh, I was thinking about how the most exciting thing about starting this church was the fact that God spoke to me to do it. Did you guys hear what I said? I said the most exciting thing about starting this church was the fact that he spoke. I wasn't very excited about having to gather volunteers every Sunday or find a worship team to be here, make sure we had a worship experience every Sunday. And all of the grind and all of the things that come behind the scenes, those things do not excite me, especially when you're a bottom line guy. I had a choice. I remember I, was, I went online. My dream was to have this 57. Uh, I keep throwing it out there. It's like prophetic. I keep putting it off in the atmosphere. Maybe God will bless me with one. And, and, I, and I remember as I was scrolling through with a good friend of mine, Jordan, and he found the car. And this is literally right in the season when God is speaking to me. And I, I looked at my bank account and I'm like, honey, I, I have enough money. We can, I can get this car. And then at the same time, God's speaking to me. And I, I believe the enemy used my good friend and he had great intentions. And I fell right into it too. I, I entertained it. I'm looking at this car. And you have to understand 57 Bel Airs range from about 50,000 to about 100,000. And so I had this money put aside and God was breaking me. He began to speak to me. He's like, I want you to start this movement. I want you to start this church. And here's the DNA of it. And God began to lay it all out. Hence, I chose you guys over the Bel Air. <laughs> Amen. Somebody ought to hand clap for that. But had I not gone through a season of brokenness, I would have chosen the Bel Air without question. But God began to ask me this, and here's what the Lord spoke to me, and I hope this ministers to you. I tell you this not for my own good, for you to know my personal business, but I want you to look at your own situations. You know what the Lord said to me? If you take that money and you do with it what you will, I will take your business. If you do things your own way, you can do it your own way, but it won't last and when you go through a season of brokenness, you have to understand this is the God we serve. We don't talk like this anymore. When you look at the, everything that you have as your own, do you understand that the reason you are allowed to take another breath in about a half a second is because God is allowing you to breathe? Do, do you realize you're doing as good as you're doing right now because God is allowing you to do that well? And the reason I believe I had that even put aside is because God was presenting me an option. Are you going to do things your way or are you going to do it my way? Now, I still believe I'm going to end up with that 57, but I refuse to do it my way. And that only comes from a heart of a person who's been broken, who wants God's will, not his own will. And not only do I only want his will, but I want to do it his way and his timing. Amen? Amen. Say it belongs to God. It all belongs to him. The Bible says that he owns cattle on a thousand hills. And if God wanted my business to stop in its tracks, it would. And when God wants this church to begin to prosper in the way that he wants it, believe that that's exactly what's going to happen. But I believe before that happens, it's going to take the sound of brokenness in our own hearts and in our own lives. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, Lord, I know this is dangerous to say, but I want you to say, Lord, break me. Break me. I've been listening recently to this song. It's called Refine, Refiner. 
by Stephanie Gretzinger. And when you have a moment, I want you to, I want you to listen to it. And in this song, they are beckoning God. They're asking, they're almost begging God, Lord, break me. Lord, refine me. Lord, shape me into who you want me to be. Those aren't the lyrics, but something like that. Amen? I love this, this scripture um, right here. And it said, well, actually, I'll go to that scripture just in a moment. I want to go to number three in Jeremiah 18, verse four. Is everybody getting something out of this today? Jeremiah 18, verse four, it says this, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Everybody say marred. It was marred in the hand of the potter or disfigured or broken in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Now I want you to notice this, that the potter didn't throw away what was originally broken in his hand. Nudge somebody and say, you're still usable. Nudge somebody else, second choice, and say, you're usable. He used the same exact pottery. He marred it in his hands. You would think that that potter would have thrown it away, but he didn't throw it away. When it was beginning to develop in something, into something that was outside of his perfect plan, he didn't just throw it away. He just marred it. Maybe you're going through a crushing season in your life, not because that God is displeased with you. It's simply because maybe, maybe your life is taking of a life of its own that God doesn't will for you to have. Maybe it's developing a certain you know, uh, characteristic that will not fit the purposes and plan of God in your future. And what God will do is he will mar that thing in his hands, not because he's displeased with you, not because he doesn't like you, but because he has your best interest at heart. And he will often destroy things that are beginning to develop in your life, not because he's wanting to get rid of you. He's just wanting to get rid of the thing that doesn't fit who he is in your life and fit the plan that he has for your specific life. Because God will oftentimes break the old you to build the new you. Yeah. Say, Lord, break me. Lord, break me. And I watched uh, this potter as he began to, to build this pottery. And the first thing that he did is he, he or she begins to push the middle of the, po the pottery because they're trying to build some type of bowl or vase. And the first thing they go after is not the outside. He goes after what's on the inside. Amen? He goes after the heart. He goes after, after what's on the inside. And I begin to think about this. I've been reading this book called Crushing. Everybody say crushing. And I, as I begin to read the book, um, there was a conversation going on between the vinter, meaning the vineyard, and uh, not the vineyard, excuse me. The vinter is simply the one who cares for the vine and who waters the plants and who cares for the grapes. And then it, it, it has a conversation going back and forth between this vinter and this grape. And the grape begins to wonder, why have you spent all this time on me if you wanted to crush me, if your ultimate intention was to crush me? You've watered me. No, you've planted me. You've watered me, you've cared for me, you've trimmed my branches, but now I'm in the process of being crushed. But this grape doesn't have the revelation of who it's gonna be and what it's gonna be used for. And so if this grape could talk, it would say something along these lines, why in the world are you crushing me? Why are you squishing me? Why are you, what are you doing to me? This is who I was born to be. And yes, it was born to be, but that's not where the progression stopped. God had wine in mind, and God has wine in mind with you, but you are thinking grape. You're thinking on a grape level, and God's thinking on a wine level. 
God's seeing who you're going to be, and he's using your current situations, and he's crushing them, not because he's trying to get rid of you. And we, what we do is we try to hold on to the skin. We try to hold on to the grapes and the vines, but God is in the process of making some sweet wine out of your life. He is up to something. He is up to something. And you have two choices. You and I have two choices. You can stay clay or you can decide that, God, I'm going to allow you to shape me into a beautiful piece of pottery that is useful for your kingdom. Your second choice is, hey, Lord, either you can stay a grape or you can submit to the process of the crushing and become the wine that God has called you to be. Amen. Amen. I love what the scripture says in, in John chapter 12, verse 24. It says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Oftentimes, God is looking to kill the outer shell of things, deal with the inner heart, but kill the outer shell of things so that the real you can come forth. Say, Lord, I submit to your will. Lord, break me. And if you want to be built up, you have to be willing to be broke down first, which brings me to my last point. And you can stand to your feet and the worship team can come up. Somebody say, build me up. God will oftentimes break you down first to build you up. And lastly, I love this point. Broken, but open. Everybody say broken, but open. A lot of people think that brokenness is a bad thing. Brokenness isn't a bad thing. Brokenness makes you useful for the master. Brokenness brings you to a place where you realize, it brings you to a place of humility. And I've taught the team this, and I believe I may have taught you guys this before. The only thing, th I want you to think about this. Lucifer, when he was in heaven, the devil, the enemy, the conniving one who got cast from heaven, he was able to be in God's presence with pride in his heart. I've seen this throughout ministry, through 15 years of ministry. I have seen a spirit of pride operating in the lives of individuals in the presence of the Lord. I want you to think about that. And this is why God breaks us, is because he wants to humble us. Because prideful people are no longer useful for God. They're not pliable. That clay is like hard clay to work with. It's not movable, he can't shape it. When you're a fool and you've learned all you can learn, you're at a bad place. You're at a terrible place. When you can no longer learn from God or learn the lessons of life, you are in trouble, friend. But when you're humble, when you're broken, you become useful for the master to just shape you into whatever it is he wants to do in your life. And I was walking down the road one time and I seen this elderly woman. She had lots and lots of pottery. And most of the pottery she had was broken. And I thought confused for a minute until the Lord began to speak to me. How many have ever seen those poor spouts, um, but the ones that don't have a hole or don't have that broken piece on the back, they don't pour as smoothly? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
In other words, when you protrude a hole on the back of a flower pot, it enables the water to begin to flow more freely. When you become a broken vessel in the hands of the master, he can flow freely. So brokenness isn't a bad thing. Brokenness is a good thing. And what God will begin to do is he'll begin to break your life in such a way, not because he doesn't like you, like I said, but because he loves you and he wants to flow more freely through your life. Freely. Somebody say, Lord, flow through me freely. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.